Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. Dean, we're, we're modern guys, right? I like to think of myself as a modern like, guy, yes. You like to keep up with the times. And... <laughs> Why do I have a British accent when I say that? I don't know. <laughs> no, I like to think... <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> the British are ultra-modern. Anyway. Are they, though? No, I mean, they're not. They're not. <laughs> Maybe yeah. in some ways. But... <laughs> so, I mean, but my, you know, modernization's important. Yes. Keeping up with the times. Yes. Everybody wants to do that. Dude, I got to keep up with my kids. I better be modern or yeah. else I'm just, like, gone. Well, yeah. businesses, they typically like to keep up with the times. Ooh, for and... sure. Sure, for sure. modern. It's, yeah. it's probably not a great idea to operate a business that still thinks like <laughs> no. 20 or 30 years ago, right? <laughs> not even five years ago at this point. No. You're probably out of the loop if we're even five years back in your yeah. thinking your strategy, no. right? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think that's especially important in retail because, Ooh, you know, if you yeah, notice a few sure. things have changed yeah, a little bit. over the years, bit. especially in recent years when yep. it comes to retail. And there's yeah. a lot of discussion about mm. modernization. Mm-hmm. So that's our topic today. We're going to get into retail modernization, talk about opportunities in the channel. Yep. We've got Kristen Call on with us from uh, Intel. Oh, yeah. We're going to get into stuff about, uh, you know, just what's changed and, you know, mm-hmm. what's what's going on with, like, you know, global chains all the way down to SMB, what's mm. happening to them, why are they making digital transformation, Why? what's the Digital transformation, it. yes. Yeah, one of those nice, nice that little buzz, buzzwords that we're going to yes. make. We're going to make Kristen explain what that uh, actually good. means. Because so. <laughs> my definition might be a little off the book. There you yeah. go. Yeah. We're going to talk about what retailers do wrong when they try to go digital and yes. try to modernize. We're going to talk about what's called a blended approach to yes. retail, Very which is nice. something Intel is uh, yes. exceeding at and yes. selling at. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and we'll, we'll get into Intel themselves and find a little bit about how they're helping transform the retail experience. Got it. Thought leadership there, huh? That's right. we yeah. got some good stuff today. So. I love it. Yep. All that plus our usual value to the VAR. What's tech connecting with us? It's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. As I mentioned, our guest today is the Senior Industry Advisor for Retail, Banking, and Hospitality with Intel, mm-hmm. Kristen Call. Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate having you on the pod. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up in this role at Intel. Thanks, guys. It's great to be here. Uh, I think we're going to have a fun session, it sounded like. Yes, yes. Just on the introduction. <laughs> you guys are great. Um, yeah, so, you know, I joined Intel, oh, it's just been a little bit, about four years I come from industry, spent 25 years, uh, started in the business side, moved over to the tech side, and I kind of never left the tech side. I fell in love with uh, technology and how it really impacts the business. Um, How I got into Intel, a lot of people are like, Kristen, you don't know anything about chips. I'm like, you're right. I have have no idea. (laughs) Other than I know they go into my computer. Right. Um, But I spent a lot of time in software, right? So uh, I came on board to be a product manager, and I got to develop some really cool, um, what we call reference designs. And what those do is to help assist the uh, industry to accelerate their go-to-market. So was able to do some really cool stuff with point of cell and uh, some data fusion uh, to, to develop a loss prevention uh, um, you know, way to be able to do different kinds of use cases. We picked loss prevention to do that data fusion. So it was pretty cool, um, and it's still out there on the web. I actually did a, a, a chat GPT um, search. I said, what's what's the top loss prevention solutions? 
and Intel came up at number three. I'm like, what? It's not even, you can't even buy this thing. <laughs> <laughs> See, you full really cool. chat GPT. There you there go. You go. Yep, yep. Yes, we've all learned you got to verify that it's information. The, the, the on proof chat that GPT. we can't be replaced just yet. That's so. it. That's it. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. we love talking to people that love technology and it's and it's okay if you don't know what chip the chips do or whatever. I mean, I don't pretend <laughs> I understand that stuff either. You, know, you can like technology and be immersed in some parts of technology, but not have to know every bit of it. You know? No, like, no, absolutely. There's, and there's and if I could comment here, real quick because a lot of people get confused with intel walks in the room like hey we're not talking chips right, right. no intel y- yes of course they talk right. they can talk press and all you want but it's not that they're they're very much interested in the ecosystem and as kristen said accelerating digital transformation we'll, we'll do a deep dive here but it's it's really critical the role that intel plays in the ecosystem and stuff like yeah, that it's cool definitely. stuff that they're yeah. doing yeah hard to agree all right well let's then let's get into this topic about retail modernization yeah. you know and again as i mentioned up front you get all these retailers from the big global mm-hmm. brands to mm-hmm. all the way down just to your mom and pop stores that are down the street. They're all looking to do something in the digital realm. They all kind of get it and know like, hey, I, there's things happening. I know I need to be more digitally focused. I know yep. I need to you know, do stuff like Omnichannel or yep. I have opportunities for you know loyalty programs or whatever it might be. Mm. I know I got to do more than just have my, my basic storefront and a cash wrap, and that's it. You more know? than brick and mortar. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's mm-hmm. a little bit more than that these days. So, you know, where are you seeing opportunities for VARs and all this? Is all of these various types of retailers, from the big dogs all the way down to the the small chains that they might be working there, or even single stores, where, where do opportunities lie right now to help them out with the modernization aspect? Well, you know, I think the VARs have really taken on um, a whole new role with this digital transformation, in my perspective, um, because it's so it's so broad. Uh, there's so many different use cases and so many ways to be able to help that digital transformation and you know maybe take a step back what does digital transformation mean right what does that what does a organization look look like when they do a digital transformation so if you think of uh, I go to the web and I'm going to go and, and buy something on the web I can do all kinds of analytics uh, when I'm in a storefront on the web, right? I can see who who's coming there. I can see their IP address. I can see what products they looked at. I can see how long they looked at that product. I can um, then see if they went to another page and maybe they just left my website or maybe they actually went all the way through and did a and, and actually bought something. There's so much more I can see when I'm on a, on a web page than when somebody walks into their store. Um, so I don't know why they came in, when they come into the store, I have no idea. I don't even know what, what aisle they went to. Uh, I don't know what product they picked up. I don't know if they put that product back down and just walked out the store necessarily. Um, there are new, so one of the ways that retailers are trying to track that is through conversion. So that's kind of become the table stakes and understanding what that conversion looks like. So how VARs can really understand is, you know, what are these use cases and what does it take to actually put them in a store? Uh, and that's really engaging with not just the retailer, but the ISVs and the whole chain of what it takes to take the, to make these uh, types of technologies a reality. Uh, conversion, I think, was the very first step of that digital transformation. And that's like, t- like I said, table stakes. If you don't have conversion in your store today, you're way behind the curve, right? You want to be able to know who's walking into your store, who's buying something and who's walking out. And then that next level is adding that computer vision and AI component on top of it and and understanding, did they actually go to an aisle? Did they linger? Did they look at a product? Did they pick it up? And then did they walk out? 
all those technologies sound super simple when my with my words, but when you actually try to implement, not so super simple, right? And I think that engagement with VARs and the whole ecosystem to to make that technology happen and make it simple for the retailer. Because these are these are very complex orchestrated solutions, right? It takes an ISV, it takes an uh, you know an OEM, it takes uh, middleware, it takes all these different things to kind of make it happen. Yeah, I think, well, obviously we touched on quite a few things there that maybe we need to unravel a little <laughs> bit, unpack some of the things. But when you think about the digital transformation, it, it is true. And I, I love your approach there, Kristen, you know, talking about the online experience. There's so much that we know now about e-commerce and online experience. But to me, the digital transformation that's happening is now converting a lot of that to the in-store experience. As Kristen said, it's the in-store analytics. And so when you start thinking about that and we preach about it, you know, from a reseller standpoint, if you're just the traditional POS or or even back at house ADC, it's, it's really getting a better understanding of what the product and solution offerings are that are out there today mm. that can help you accelerate your uh, customers into this digital transformation around in-store analytics. I think that's a really, really good one. Let's just, you know, linger on that for a second. That, you know, the power that you can do through computer vision uh, laced in with AI through a company like a path uh, dot AI, mm-hmm. uh, one of the Intel partners that we're working with, or a Meld CX who's really kind of getting into the overall user or experience of the retail experience. It's important to be able to analyze what is going on in the store because, to Kristen's point, it's table stakes, right? If you're an advertiser looking to get on a retail media network, you got to have the analytics behind that right. to get the advertising. If you're getting into, if you want to, again, measure the metrics of to the brands about who's going to what aisle or if what their linger time is and things of that nature, you have to have these analytics that you can feedback uh, to to your vendors to to have that conversation. So the digital transformation is is critical in order for these entities. Yeah, we see it at the tier one, but I'm telling you all the way down into the uh, midsize SMB markets, uh, retailers, they're going to be necessary to have this modernization too. And it's it's incumbent upon us to develop the ecosystem with the vetted solutions that are going to be the answers there. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. You know, I think... Um I think the idea of customer insight is the part that really stands out to me. Right. Because I think, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of retailers and a lot of folks in any kind of business. You might think, hey, I need to digitize my business in some way. I need to add technology somehow. Mm. Maybe in retail it's like, well, I need self-service, you know, I need kiosks. Uh maybe I need to build some kind of a website or have some sort of a web presence or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That stuff is kind of table stakes at this mm-hmm. point. I mean, you you should be thinking about that stuff for sure. But I think the idea of what Kristen's mentioning here of what you can get out of it, what mm. you can learn when you add technology, mm-hmm. the ability to pull insights, the ability to understand more about your customers and what they're doing. Again, I love the idea of just even understanding what people do when they walk in your store. That's right. I, you know, I worked retail in the past, and you might think you know what people are doing. You might have an idea of what what's happening, of like the flow of traffic or what people do in certain sections or why they go certain mm-hmm, directions. Mm-hmm. But when you can back that up with technology, mm-hmm. and if you as a VAR can work with retailers and show them like, hey, let's implement this, and it will show you exactly what's happening in your store at all times to help you understand the best places to place products, the best places to intervene with customers, mm-hmm. the best places to offer self-service, mm-hmm. the best reasons to have a, some kind of an online presence, what, what's happening when your customers are going there. That insight piece to me, I think that's the part that 
is the the extra step that I think these a lot of these folks in SMB especially may not really be thinking about. They may right. know that they need to do something. They're like, I know I need technology. <laughs> I know people are telling me I, need I got this, this spidey sense that yeah, I exactly. need to have some kind I of. I hear about it all going. the time. People are knocking on my door and trying to sell me stuff. But maybe they're not thinking about it from a, that that point of view. They're thinking about it from just day to day operations and yeah. not realizing like, hey, there's a lot you can glean and gain from this that can help just take your business to the next level. Well, not only that, but there's things that, again, I'll go back to path or even like suspicious behavior, being able to determine that through AI and things of that nature. So Kristen, let's walk a little bit farther around like the edge compute and some of the things that's happening as a part of this modernization in retail, right? It's it, yes, it's software, but it's hardware too with edge compute, correct? To to kind of run some of these things, or as John mentioned, even kiosks in, in just making this frictionless experience. So we're starting to see some modernization of the gear uh, that's being used in retail, right? Yeah, it's a symbiotic relationship between hardware and software, right? The hardware is, you know, this really pretty box that can have these capabilities, but it's the software that really pulls it out and says. I'm going to challenge this hardware and see what it can what it can actually do, right? And it's also um, so you know working with ISVs, making sure that that is, uh, software is optimized, working on uh, you know its best performance on the right platform, uh, and and at the lowest cost, right? So you don't want to buy the beefiest machine if you don't need that, uh, unless you're trying to grow into it. So I think there's a lot of opportunity with ISVs to be able to tune their software to the right platform and the right compute. So there's that challenge. And then also operationally, right, that hardware, um, you know, I I work for a hardware company, but hardware is hard. And when you have to roll a truck and you have to do something to that hardware, it really does interfere with business. So having something that's reliable and you can able to troubleshoot that remotely is going to really get that business back up if there's any problems at all. So I think you got to think of two two folds, right? Uh, how do I make the, the software the best it can be on that hardware, and then and then how can I manage it operationally to if it does go down? Uh, hopefully it doesn't, but when it does, um, it's always a disaster. I always owned uh, in-store sales, and POS was my uh, application, and you can't have point of sale go down. No. <laughs> that is- <laughs> right. And if it does, you better have a, a really good backup plan or, or a plan in place so that you can get it back up and running. So absolutely. Because yeah. that's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, how are you going to do that conversion, which is critical, right? <laughs> yeah. You've got people coming in, but you can't convert because you don't have the right gear. Yeah. To I've do got it. this product in my hand. I'd like to buy it, please. Well, well sorry, yeah. you can't right now. Please <laughs> well, wait five to 10 minutes. That, an excellent point because you know that's part of that transformation as well. You guys hit on that. You know, we you know retailers welcome us into the store. We look around. We found the perfect product, and then we go, and there's a you know twenty people deep to check out. So that whole experience is now being challenged uh, by the expectation of the customer. Uh, so many different ways to purchase. You know, Bopus. Um, you know, I can get it or delivered or whatever. There's so many opportunities now for retailers to to de- deliver that product, but still people want to go to the store. They're not, that's not changed at all. No, it, it, I can tell you it hasn't changed because I, I refer to this all the time. Mm-hmm. The, the women in my life, and, and I'm not being, you know, because I go shopping too, but I'm telling you, my daughters are like, 
all into shopping and they are young, you know, they're 11 years old. Shopping is not dead. The, right, there, there's right. a love, there's a desire to go out and shop. Uh, and, and so retail is, retail is healthy. Uh, there, there's no doubt about it. But as we've talked about here, the experience now is different, right? I mean, there's just a desire to have a more of an experiential, uh, you know, uh, happening when you go into a retail establishment. So you want that to be frictionless. You want the technology to be there to make sure that the overall experience is enjoyable, right? And that's what I think it's all driving to. Yeah, definitely. To a certain degree. Well, well yeah. then let's talk a little bit about the where stuff goes wrong here. Because, again, I think, you know, a lot of these retailers, they get it. They understand, hey, I need to do this stuff. I know I need something in the digital realm. I know I need to implement technology. I know I need to, to do more to shorten up my lines and improve my labor issues or yep. whatever it yep. might be. Right. So they know they need to do it. They, they're, they're on board with that. But what do they get wrong when they start implementing these kind of solutions? What's what what's happening there? What hurdles are out there that we, you know, in this entire channel and our VARs in particular can really help them overcome? Well, I'm not going to criticize retailers because I think they do an amazing job. But I think there's um everyone has some lessons to learn. Um, you know, if you back up a little, well, let's just start with this way. If you if you pick the cheapest product, you're going to get what you buy, right? I mean, if you go buy a, a, a cheap dress, it's going to last for three weeks versus if you buy something expensive, it's going to last for years and years to come. So I think it's the same with hardware and then picking the right hardware. Um, I think if you're going to go try something and you want to just see if it works, go try it on a Raspberry Pi you know, go do it because you want to be able to see if it, if it works. But once you put in uh, something that wants to be long lasting, robust, and be able to, uh, you know, overcome these challenging environments. Yeah. I worked in a convenience store. I've seen the back, (laughs) the back rooms, you know, they're, they're not that clean all the time and, and dust gets, uh, you know, in the back rooms and underneath counters and things like that. So I think looking at that hardware, what it, what kind of environment does it need to endure and not necessarily picking the cheapest product. And that goes from an ISV perspective as well. Um, So I, I think that, you know, retailers still brick and mortar specifically, kind of still see their IT as as a cost center and not really as a partner. But the software they're delivering, you can't, you know, you cannot separate these two. Your 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 technology is part of your business. It's part of the business plan, right? Uh, so bringing in that technology partner when you're looking at a technology to make sure it fits into uh, what can be sustainable uh, in that environment, I think is also very critical. Uh, so that kind of bleeds into, I, I talk to a lot of retailers, and the one thing that I always catch on is it's not just about the technology, it's about the environment. Uh, you cannot, uh, say, I can't say it more than more than I already do, and that is having an innovative environment, uh, t- it takes the whole village to do that. So uh, how do you encourage innovation? How do you encourage failure? How do you encourage uh, to be able to be innovative? Uh, is it as a whole corporate culture? It's not just one team. Uh, it's got to be. It's got to come from a whole corporate culture. 
I agree. There's a lot, lot to unpack there. Unpack that for me. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, that's really good stuff. And and I'll add on to it, uh, the free flow of information. I think that, you know, what I hear in the marketplace is a lot of times retailers get it wrong, if you will, in, in that they, they don't see the opportunities in having a free flow of information, especially in the supply chain world that we live in today. Right, right. When you think about the linearity of supply chain of, of the past, you know, it was just very linear, not a lot of communication happening, stuff showed up. But in today's world there's there's just this need for a free flow of information and and when when you see the retailer as being kind of the epicenter of the data uh, and where all the information's coming in and out of and 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 all these entities that need to tap into that it kind of opens up your mind into that and, and maybe IT departments are a little bit hesitant to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Although this is our information. We're not going to share that with mm-hmm. other entities or, or things of that nature. But in order for retail modernization to occur, it's going to be through an ecosystem of partners. And those ecosystem of partners need to have tap into the information so that they can have a clear picture. But it's a clear picture for everybody to make better decisions along the way, like the hardware, like what third party you know software we should be incorporated and stuff like that. So that's one of those hurdles I still feel like we're, we're trying to overcome. It's that right, information right. flow that's going to lead to a lot of this retail modernization. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah, you know, I'll go back to what something Kristen said earlier yeah. when she mentioned, you know, the idea of cheap. You know, just starting to look for cheap, fast, simple, whatever's quickest mm-hmm. and easiest mm-hmm. to implement. And honestly, I don't necessarily even think that's the retailers themselves that are always thinking that way. Mm. Sometimes I think it's it's on us, and it could be on the VARs to be careful about, or whoever they're working with, to be careful about trying to just shove in whatever's quickest and easiest. You know, yeah, if I see what someone comes to you and says, hey, I've got an opportunity, I've got six stores, and I'd really like to implement a new point of sale system. Mm. Like, it might be easy to think, oh man, I, this is a golden opportunity. I can, <laughs> this is some good money I can make right now, and we can mm-hmm. make our budget for the month. I'm gonna, I've got these on hand, and I, this software company I can do quick enough here. Let's, let's just get this up and running without doing the diligence to figure out what actually needs to be done and what makes the most sense for that particular retailer in their environment. So I think it's it's incumbent on not just them, but also on us to be able to slow things down a little bit and understand what's actually happening in their particular world. You know, what we always talk about on the sales side of things is being mm-hmm. consultative and mm-hmm. recognizing what's going on in their business, finding out what their actual needs are, not just, I've got, you need this, I've got X. I don't know if X is what you need, but it'll do for now and throwing it in there. Because I think, you know, on their end, if they're going to make this this kind of upgrade, if if they're opening up their business to, let's say they're adding a self-service component, right. or they're, yep. they're adding an online component where there's an omni-channel aspect potentially mm-hmm. to their business mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. they want to get that right out of the box. Because if you For mess sure. that up out of the box, yeah. not only are you having a bad experience from the retail side, and that can hurt you as a VAR with your future business with them, but they're also getting a bad experience from their customers then. Oh, nightmare. If, if you roll this out and their customer comes in and is like, yeah, I'm excited that I've now got an app and a yeah, kiosk right. and stuff, and all <laughs> All of it's breaking down on the first week or so, and they're all just standing in line again like they always were. Yeah, that's a bad experience. That, that yeah. hurts everyone all the way around, and no one wants to get into that point. With a piece of paper taped up on the kiosk does not work. You know, <laughs> yes. oh, what a nightmare. Yeah, that is a nightmare. No, but that's how many people have gone to a fast food place where they did have a kiosk and it's not working, right? Uh, you know, there are, and that should never happen with the technology that we have today with the ecosystems that we have today, that should never happen. That, you know, so it makes me sad yeah, <laughs> right. when I walk in there <laughs> to see that happen. <laughs> Retail modernization gone wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes, no. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> All right. Well, then let's let's talk about this blended approach idea here, because, you know, I think a lot we're talking about here is talking about implementing technology that gets you to a big picture level. Mm, and you okay. hinted at it earlier when yep. you were talking about the supply chain, yeah. that the big picture in retail these days, it's not just about what's happening at the store level. It's not about just what's happening in the brick and mortar. Right. It's not even about, you know, if you have an online shop or not. It's not all those little separate components. Mm-hmm. It's all the things together. And that includes what's happening at the back of the store. To your point, it includes figuring out what's coming in and what's going out, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where stuff is, what you can tap into to get into your store at the right time. So let's, let's get into that in this, this whole blended approach. So, you know, where are we, where are we looking at it? What are we trying to do right now to help simultaneously address needs for front and back of store all in one solution rather than try to piecemeal a bunch of stuff together? Well, you know, you hit, you hit on it, right? I mean, the front of the store is the impact of what happened in the back. Right. So if it all went wrong in the back, <laughs> it's all going to go wrong, wrong in, the front, in the front. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. So if I didn't order the right stuff or it didn't come in or whatever that might be, uh, it's just really going to impact sales. So understanding your supply chain, what does it have? It, that's a complex problem. Um, but I think that technology is coming in to really help support these. You know, what's on my shelf? How can I help uh, my retailers understand quicker, faster? What kinds of products do they have? Uh, maybe even uh, adding a quality control on it, right? So if I pulled something out of the freezer, how long did that uh, was that out of the freezer? Should I put it back? Should I alert somebody because it's uh, it's getting into uh, into the higher temperature range? There's all these different kinds of uh, technologies that are help, helping retailers depending on what space they're in. But I think that it's um, it's not a simple um, problem as I. Th- in my experience of just putting a camera in, um, it has to it be multi sensors, uh, you know, maybe RFID, uh, a Bluetooth sensor, something that has to be uh, that can be, you know, 10 deep on that product because that camera can't see it. So there's a lot of different technologies and that's where the VARS and that ecosystem comes in. Again, I think that um, because this orchestration layer has to happen, if we can make it simpler, help the retailer not get their minds blown by the time you talk about all the different partners that have to come in to make this technology happen. Uh, All they see is this end solution, right? They don't need to know that there's five partners behind the scenes to make this product uh, a reality. I think that's a a real opportunity for the bars to come in and help to support that. I agree. Intel's got a fantastic use case. Uh, It's called Nourish and Bloom. And and Kristen, I don't know if you remember uh, if you saw during Vision, I, I mean, I know you're aware of this one uh, completely, but this is the whole automated store right. kind of experience. And it, it's where you walk in, you launch an app, you can do your shopping. There's no cashiers. There's no waiting. Uh, everything's, you know, it's it's about as high tech as you can get, right? right? right. Where it's using machine vision and, and sensors and things of that nature. And then the shopper just simply walks out and everything's charged. And, every, you know, it's just this frictionless, wonderful utopia of retail, <laughs> right? But in order to get Sounds there... Sounds like to my Christmas, dream, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're not touching anything. Okay. <laughs> I'm not so, touching anything. I'm not talking to anybody. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm in, Perfect. I'm out, yeah. I got it all done. Right. Uh, well, besides that, so this is your utopia. But but anyway, to Kristen's point, you know, it takes a lot of people behind the scenes, a lot of companies, whatever, to make that happen. Well, you know, as a solution integrator, as a reseller, you know, you, we can take, we can crawl, walk, run to get to there, right? right? right. There's still applications, part pieces of that puzzle that can be implemented, uh, you know, a, a little bit at a time as you build up to something like yeah, that. Yeah, we're not asking you to get to the automated store yet. No. But there's a lot you can do along the way. Right. Because I think, Chris and I can just imagine walking into a retailer and say, 
okay, here's the story, right? All this stuff's going to go away. We're throwing <laughs> in computer. Yeah, we're just starting. Yeah. That's it. That's it. We're going to be like, get out. We're get gonna out. Throw yeah. in, we're going to just throw up some cameras, run it on an app, you <laughs> yeah. know, and it's all good. Believe you me. They'll, they'll just kick you out. Right. Really? Like, what right. are you talking about? But if we're going to crawl, walk, run to there, right? We, we can do that. And, and it's through an ecosystem of partners that really we've been advocating for a long time. Retail's not dead. We, it just needs to be modernized. And there's certain e- p- players within the ecosystem that we can use yeah. to enable yeah. that. And really, I, another key phrase here is a vetted solution. And, and that's what I really like about the Intel and Blue Star partnership here is developing these vetted solutions so that solutions integrators and VARs can feel confident walking in with the types of solutions, whether it's machine vision analytics, whether it's wait time, whether it's back of house analytics. We, we, we are developing those solutions around this retail modernization for that express reason. Mm, so, yeah. yeah, good stuff. I like what, Kristen, what you said earlier about the idea of it's it's not necessarily a, about trying to, to reinvent the wheel here. And mm. it's not necessarily about, you know, f- front to back, just trying to just trying to just make everything happen all at once that you can do it piecemeal little by little. And, you know, and, and I think there's a there's a lot to be said about understanding what's happening front versus back of the house and recognizing that, like, you know, there's there's all these components, and all these pieces. But to your point there earlier is that it's about the solution at the end of the day and users. And we're the same way. Like when we go out to buy a car, I don't care where all the parts of my car came from. (laughs) I don't care who made the catalytic converter versus who made the tires. I don't need all the details about that. I don't need you to bring in 80 people that are showing me all the different pieces and parts and how they're going to put them all together. Just show me what the end product looks like. And I think that's what most most retailers and most any customer that is dealing with technology, they want to think of as like, hey, I got an IT person. I got an IT team that I'm working with what they're doing on the back end and all the things they're bringing in to make it happen. That's fine. As long as at the end of the day, I'm getting the but solution. But your car, your car buying is is a pretty good analogy, right? Because you want that kind of level of experience. I'm right. not saying that car buying is a great experience. I'm not, <laughs> you know, because we've all it had that hideous salesperson that comes right, up. Right. Hey, what you looking for, buddy? Yeah, exactly. No, I'm not. Don't want <laughs> yeah, that. That but, part's the bad analogy. But yeah. you do want the experience. And and again, I'll just refer to you know, uh, you're going to want to walk in. Okay, they I like the shirt, but they don't have my size. Is there an associate around that, you know, he or she's got a mobile computer and can, this is the enablement that we want to be able to do to make that experience great. So I like this car. It's not the color I want. Is there something else? Well, yeah, you can get that at a dealership, but this is the level of experience that you're going to want, right? Uh, At at a retail establishment and technology enables that. And and I'll add on, you know, when it comes to the back of the house stuff, I think back to my retail days. And granted, we're going back 20 years now. Things are obviously (laughs) very different then. But I remember, you know, the... The the month the weekly shipment you know so the, so I'd get we'd get little stuff. By the throughout way, Kristen, the week. did you say you worked in retail too? Are you having retail flashbacks like yeah. like? Okay, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, exactly. Yes, Every yeah. time we talk about retail, I start thinking back to my days and yeah. like you know. It's, ah. Yeah. Ah. Well, I so I was always I was always the DC guy. I was the guy that whenever the big DC oh, shipment came in every yes, Friday. Yeah. Now, granted, I loved it because I got to hole up in the back of the store, crank up some music. Oh, I see. And just open boxes yeah. for like hours on end because we would get anywhere from like forty to hundred boxes depending on what time of year it was. Mm-hmm. Filled up, it was a bookstore work as they were filled up with books. But here's the thing though, I would get those boxes and I had no idea what was in them. No, I never don't. knew what was coming. No clue. I never knew what our corporate office was deciding to send. You That's could right. order stuff. You could make requests. 
if you knew what you needed. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, you were just getting stuff. So every Friday, it's like I Christmas get this. every Friday. It's true. It's yeah. Like, like, what, but, what's in this box? But no. there's also a nightmare aspect to it because basically all I was doing is I was pulling out my handy old scanner mm. and I symbol scanner, I think, and just scanning every single box. It just had one label on every box. I'm scanning every box. Again, no idea what's really in them. Yeah, yeah. I go to the front of the store. I plug it in, download that info. Now my inventory is updated with all the stuff I have. Mm-hmm. But guess where that stuff all is? It's still in it's the back. Still in boxes in the back. <laughs> And I've got, you know, I'm working usually over most of that day to get it all unboxed. And then I'm sticking it on carts. I'm giving it to the, to the associates to go put it out mm-hmm. and to put it out on the shelves. And meanwhile, if anyone comes and asks for this stuff, it's telling them it's an inventory. It's probably not where it's supposed to be yet. That's right. It's potentially on a cart or a box still yep. in the back. Yep. There was just no, there was such a disconnect there. And then it's also, it's all happening on a Friday leading into a weekend, which is always <laughs> your busiest days of the week. And you, you probably don't even get half that stuff up onto the shelves. You've got people even looking through this stuff while it's on the carts. And like, it just was a, it was an experience. Nightmare. That it, was, it was the best we could do at the time. And yeah. we operated as quickly and efficiently as we could. But that's the kind of stuff where, like, I'm hoping no one's still doing that. Oh, I but think if, they are. But they probably oh, are. They definitely they are. are. That's right, the Kristen? sad thing. And if you, you can... You just you just uh, said that process perfectly. That was, like, the every process that every retailer is still doing. Uh, I, you know, it's... It, what would have been like if you could at least eliminate just that check-in process mm-hmm. to five minutes versus... Five, you know, two or three hours as it probably took you, right? Uh, to unpack that because you got to unpack it anyway. But it is, if, if you could count that inventory as you unpacked it in the shelf, it, you know, that just that visibility. It's the visibility. That's right. Or if yeah. at least, at, yeah. at the very least, if when somebody asked for something and it said, oh, I've got six in stock, they're in box number 42. And I knew exactly how to find that box and pop that one right open and get what they needed out yeah. of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because again, you know, again, we're talking, you know, 20 years ago where I didn't have a lot of online competition. You know, Amazon was just, you know, mm-hmm. it was a thing, but like, you know, still wasn't the powerhouse it is today. Right. Books were its primary goal at that point. Oh, yeah. And then you had some of the big box stores that would sell books for maybe a little bit cheaper. So you had that competition where, but it was... It was more of a thing where if someone was in your store and looking for something, if you could put it in their hand, they were probably going to buy, buy it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. now, if you can't put it in their hand within moments of mm-hmm. them entering and mm-hmm. asking for something, they're going to just get on their phone and buy it. They're going to walk out and go right to the next store that can do it for them. Yeah. The competition is higher than ever. Yeah, for sure. And if you don't have that kind of insight and that kind of connectivity between what's happening out front, what's happening in the back, mm. and and to be able to connect those dots as quickly as possible, mm-hmm. you're you're missing out on so much of a game. And it saddens, it saddens me to think it that is, there are yeah. still so many retailers oh, there are. that are dealing with no, that right Ellie, now. Ellie, my middle daughter, works at a retail. Again, she loves to shop, but now she has a completely different you know, <laughs> appreciation for the retail experience. Yeah because yep. she's the one in the back unback- unboxing and and you know it's, it's until we have this blended technology of like RFID back of house that can do the right. RFID tech the so item that, level stuff we're the item about, level yeah. so that you already know when you just a quick wand of the box oh yes there are actually a hundred exactly. of these shirts in that box or or whatnot but it is it's it's definitely that approach it's yeah. going to get us yeah. to retail modernization there you go well sorry about the flashbacks there Christina. Yeah. <laughs> If I have to suffer through this, so do you. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Well, well, then let's talk about Intel. Then. We've kind of hit it and batted around a little bit of this and talk about what Intel's doing, your ecosystem, your you know your desire to kind of help transform these retail experiences and, and make this all a better shopping experience for the people that are buying from the stores, people that work in the stores, the back yeah. of the house, everything. Yep. So talk to us a little bit more about what Intel's doing there and explain your, your piece in it. Because again, as we established, you're not just chips. You guys are doing lots of great stuff that really is impacting businesses all around the world, but let's focus on what's happening in retail. 
Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things happening between just the whole ecosystem, uh, you know, enablement, and also those reference designs that I mentioned. Um, we have a whole team of engineers that have a lab that are doing some really cool stuff to try to figure out what, how can they make retailers' lives easier. Uh, they promised that to me. That's why I decided to join Intel. <laughs> I was like, really? I'm totally on board. We got a lab board. for you, Kristen. Yeah, there's <laughs> <I> a lab. <laughs> I'm on board, but there is a lot of smart engineers doing some really cool stuff like workload consolidation. Um, and this is kind of an interesting topic. So point of sale, we all know that's kind of a sacred cow, right? The only thing that lands on point of sale is point of sale software. And we've got uh, folks in the lab that are taking multiple different workloads, containerizing them, uh, and then putting them on a point of sale so that you can run different types of uh, solutions on top of that uh, soft, that hardware. And the reason is, as you think about um, how retailers usually buy their point of sale, they have, let's say, six lanes, and they only use two or three through the whole year. And then the rest of the time, the other three are just sitting there idle, doing nothing. Well, that's compute they could be using to do something with, right? They could be running algorithms. They could be doing these um, uh, tra product tracking. They could do so, so many different things. And then, uh, you know, if they when they do need that compute for point of sale, that container, you know, dials down and they allow that point of sale to always be the, the number one. And those are the kind of the really cool things you can do with with uh, orchestration and, and uh, modernization of the architecture. Uh, whether a retailer wants to go do that, test it, put it in your lab, try it out, see what's possible. And I think where uh, also where VARs can come in is, is, is I don't think know if retailers know to ask. Right? Do they know what's even possible? Uh, so, so you know, Intel working with our partners to to showcase what is happening, uh, it, I think is really important. The other thing is uh, building labs internally to help our ISVs to do um, these really complex use cases with cameras. Uh, you know, what's their compute look like when they need to uh, tie in fifty cameras or a hundred cameras? Right? What does that What does that compute look like? Uh, you know, one or two is probably fairly easy, but when you're really getting into these autonomous stores or um, very sophisticated loss prevention solutions, uh, that that means something completely different. And you mentioned the autonomous store, right? That autonomous store isn't just checking people out. It's, it's you know, you, you, those cameras are now that you're, you're scanning. You know, it's the new scanner, right? You're picking it up. The, the, the camera is now the scanning. You put it in your basket. It's gone into your, into your transaction. But it's also said, oh, I just sold one. I'm going to take that out of my inventory, right? So there's multiple things that are happening inside of that autonomous store that you can't do in a, in a traditional store. And that, that, that those kind of workloads really take, uh, that's what Intel's really trying to do with our ISVs. Yeah, I think they've got a great program, which is why Bluestar is really excited about this. It's all around the acceleration of digital transformation. Uh, you know, they do a great job. Intel's doing a fantastic job of enabling our resellers, understanding what is happening on the edge, you know, the types of software that is going into that mm -hmm. play, whether it's mm -hmm. machine vision, AI, things of that, that nature. Uh, that's only going to happen by enabling people with vetted solutions. And again, I think that's a really critical piece. You know, you know us and our Tech Connect program. 
program. We've been trying to vet ISVs for our ecosystem for years now. Right. Now we have another partner in Intel that's helping us. Didn't even know we had the lab opportunity. <laughs> we're coming out to the lab. We're gonna we're gonna start testing some stuff out there, Chris. Yeah, we're gonna try to break some stuff. Well, I love special episode some of stuff. the pod in yeah. the lab. Yeah, 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 yeah. But not just that. Also engagement. They're, they're they're great on the marketing side. We've got marketing powers to do that to to not only develop the solutions, but then do the end user demand generation. Help people with that. Ultimately, all this happens through an ecosystem. So uh, we're we're thrilled to death uh, to have Intel uh, be a part of this because again, I'll just restate it: partner assisted ecosystems. That's how we all win in retail modernization. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I love what you said about you know the idea of like compute power, for instance, from you know stations and POS systems that aren't in use. It's stuff like that where I think you can be the best possible partner and you can make yourself look like someone who knows what they're talking about and is a valued team that they can go to Mm. when you can talk about things that no one has been thinking about and no one's been talking about before. Mm -hmm. And it's not because you're just trying to cram something in there. Or with a realistic solution, right? You know, something that's, you know, right. Yeah, imagine just being able to, like, like you just said, walk into a store and say, hey, I notice I've been in here three times now and you have three cash registers you're typically never using. Mm-hmm. What else could we be doing with mm-hmm. those? I guarantee you, like you said, it's. I didn't think of that myself, but as soon as you mentioned it, I'm like, you're right. There, yeah, there is computing power <laughs> sitting there that is not getting used for anything and could be used for something, and you don't have to add in a bunch oh, of wait, extra stuff and saver, spend a bunch more. Screen saver, screen <laughs> saver, yeah, 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 yeah. There's something more that could be done, and I think that's, that's, that's very valuable, and I think that's very valuable for our channel ecosystem to be able to you know, bring all these partners together and, you know, whether it's your, the ISVs, us on the distribution side, our vendors, our VAR partners, everyone getting together and saying, hey, how can we tackle problems that our customers don't even realize are problems yet, mm-hmm. that they're not talking about and they're not thinking about, but that we know are probably happening? Because I think there's something to that when you can go and, and it's, it doesn't mean that you go in and immediately knock someone's socks off and win the business. And they're like, yeah, here, here's a, here's a PO. Sure. I want to buy thousands of whatever <laughs> you've got to sell here. It's getting them to start thinking about these things and realizing where opportunities might lie within their own business. And then when it comes time for them to make those decisions, they go, you know what? We should be doing something with that. And we're not. Mm-hmm. I remember Kristen coming to me and talking mm-hmm. to me about that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give her a call. She's the first person I'm going to think of and give a call to. Yeah, right. it's, it, it's again, it all goes back to the, you have your transactional business as a VAR and that's fine. But have that speculative business running at all times too, where you're always asking questions and you're always pointing things out and Pushing you're always the saying, hey, up a little bit, yeah. have you mm-hmm. thought about X? And mm-hmm. if they say, no, not really, I'm like, well, it's something I've been looking at. I think there's some cool things going on. Mm-hmm. Take a look at this site, what I was looking at, or take a look at this article. We'll talk about it next time I'm by or something like that. It doesn't mean you're pushing stuff. It's just opening those doors so that eventually down the road, you are, again, that person that they lean on and say, hey, I appreciated talking to you know, IT partner X, because they were asking questions about something that I wasn't thinking about at the time. And now I know I need to be working yeah, on it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I remember. I do need that yeah. uh, machine vision type thing. And I remember yeah. we talked about yeah, it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, hey, this was a great conversation. We're going to wrap it up here in a moment with our value to the VAR segment, a little bit of a takeaway for our VAR audience. But before we do that, uh, as always, we want to thank our sponsors of the TechConnect podcast. Of which Intel is one. 
Yes. Intel is one. They sponsor our program. We very much appreciate uh, Intel and what they have to offer us and for lending us folks like Kristen to have these great conversations and just what you guys are doing in general with, you know, helping build this yeah, ecosystem. For sure. it's, yep. There's some really, again, to your point at the beginning, you know, if you think, if you only thought of Intel for chips, mm-hmm. pay attention to some of this stuff. If you've been, you know, if you've been following us over our last couple of years of journey with Intel, you realize there's so much more going on. So much more. And uh, that's exactly the kind of partners we like to have Absolutely. Here, so. Hey, as always, uh, if you like the show, we need you to tell us. Oh, yeah. We, I, you know, all the time I hear about people that like, you know, they like stuff, but they don't ever bother to tell the creator that they like something. Yeah, so give it a little like, we, uh, maybe yeah. rate it. Yeah. We hear about that like when we're out and about. Uh, you uh-huh. were just at the exec summit. Did anybody come up to you and mention oh, the absolutely. podcast? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stuff like that. We're at Vartech. But hey, you can take that a step further by leaving a little rating and review for us. Uh, maybe you're on YouTube right now watching. Hit the like button. Drop us a little comment. Just tell us what you thought about the episode. Then others can find us. It's an ecosystem, exactly. John. Whatever. We need an ecosystem there, there to build go. the Let's audience. Bringing it all together there. <laughs> there you Help go. us build our ecosystem yes, yes. with this Bingo. podcast here. Bingo. So, uh, if you got ideas for the show, if there's other things you want us to be talking about, if you're thinking, hey, Intel's doing cool stuff with this, I want to hear more about yes. that. Yes. What tell a great us. idea. We don't know until you tell us. And if you yeah. do, we'll find something, someone at Intel to get on the show and talk to us about and it. And you get a free shirt. That's right. Just send in your ideas. Suggest a topic to us. We will give you a free Tech Connect podcast t-shirt. What could be better? Just for doing that. It's a just nice, in time for summer. It's a nice uh, short sleeve. I, I, I'm going to be sending one in now. I'm oh, see? see? There you go. There you <laughs> go. All right. We'll go to the show notes. There's a link in the show notes where you can submit those ideas. We'll get that t-shirt out to you. Uh, follow us on LinkedIn. Make sure you're following Blue Star on LinkedIn so you can always keep up what we're doing. And if you want to reach out to us directly, you can always find us on Twitter for however much longer Twitter lasts. Let's be honest at this point. Or Blue Sky. Either one. Doesn't <laughs> matter. Blue Sky, exactly. Uh, <laughs> at TechConnectPod. I haven't started the Blue Sky one up yet, but maybe I'll do that yeah, soon. Really. Uh, or find, you can email us techconnect at bluestarinc.com. All right, let's wrap things up here. As always, we'll start with our value to the VAR, our way of kind of giving a takeaway yes. to our VAR friends. Yeah. So, you know, we, we've we've spoken with many of Intel's software partners. Yep. Dean, you mentioned Pather earlier. Yep. Yep. We've had visibility on. We've had wait, wait time. time. A lot yep. of these companies that play in retail mm-hmm. and hospitality mm-hmm. spaces. So, you know, Krista, why do you think it's so important for VARs to be developing relationships with companies like those in order to take their retail solutions up to that next level? Well, I think you stated it earlier, you know, without the software, it's just a super cool box. And um, with blinky lights. Yeah. With blinky lights. That's right. Um, And these software, these uh, uh, new software uh, partners that are coming out, the wait time, the pathers, these are complex solutions, right? And, um, but I think if the VARs really, truly understand um, what they're trying to accomplish, the conversation's easier. Uh, when you're in front of that cost- customer to have the conversation, you know that the software works. You know that you validated it. It's a lot. It's a much easier conversation. Um, and you know we should have been doing this years and years ago. But I don't know. I think computer vision's brought us all together and shown how much we really need each other. All right. But, <laughs> but those are the those are the types of use cases that really need to have that ecosystem in order to work seamlessly. Uh, not just, hey, I'm just going to go buy a box and see if it works because it just doesn't, it's not how it works in this new technology stack. 
has to be an ecosystem. Couldn't have said it better myself. I no. ag- agree wholeheartedly. It, w- when you think about the tech stack, and we'll go back to that, that's the only way that solution integrators are going to survive is to be is to have that ecosystem of vetted partners uh, with realistic solutions that can be implemented at scale. Yeah, and, definitely. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I go back to we just had our episode last week about uh, the warehouse survey and like, mm-hmm. you know, all the stuff we heard about yeah. warehousing, and, and a lot of those respondents were retail warehousing and yes. retail distribution, and they all almost all of them said that they when they outsource their IT they like part of one of the things they like to outsource to their IT is software software, software right. procurement mm-hmm. software support all that kind of stuff so they're looking for that they're looking for you to be a partner mm-hmm. on the software side and, and again not necessarily expecting you to be the software expert but to at least help them find the software that they need like and i guarantee you that's happening at front of the house retail it's happening in all industries yeah. Yeah. so you should that should be part of your goal and part of your desire is to build those relationships so that when someone comes to you looking for that and looking to you as the software partner you can help introduce them to the right people or again know that you have them in your pocket to build that solution where you still get to be the solution provider, but you know that you've got a path or, or a visibility or whoever on your side mm-hmm. that can come in and help with that angle of it and, and fit that into whatever you're selling as part of your overall solution. Yeah. And finally, in my mind, if you, I said this earlier, when you have those kind of relationships and you're building that kind of stuff, all that doing is building out your own brand. It's adding mm. credibility mm-hmm. to your brand. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's making you stand heads and shoulders above the company that comes in and just says, Here's your blinky light box. See yeah. you later. See you later. You know, yeah. Call these guys if you want to get some <laughs> software. I think they can do that for you. I'll see you. You know, yeah. like yeah, if yeah, that's yeah, your yeah. attitude about it, you probably aren't going to get that next phone call. That's right. So that's right. If you yeah, want to get that next call, mm-hmm. that's where you need to have those yeah, partnerships. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Well, hey, let's wrap up as always with our favorite segment. What's tech connecting with ah, you? Ah, yes. This is where we get to talk about something in the world of science, tech, business, innovation, or just a wacky or new story we feel yeah. like talking mm-hmm. about. Uh, so, Krista, we'll get, let you start here. What's tech connecting with you right now? Oh, my gosh. I mean, who hasn't done chat GBT? I mean, yes. I've had so much fun with that. And I know there's a lot of controversy as well on top of it. But Oh, just the end of the world know. kind of controversy? Uh, but other than right? that, yeah. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what. So, me and my husband, our birthday is uh, around the same time. And, and uh, he got a chat GPT birthday uh, message. And I got a chat GPT birthday <laughs> message. <laughs> It was like, the, I, you know, I was uh, opened up my card and, and then I had some friends around me and one of my friends, he's like, I think I'm going to cry. That was like the most amazing. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, this came from ChatGPT. It's not from my husband. <laughs> so Classic. I, mean, I don't know if that's <laughs> mind blowing, but I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> yes. We've had many conversations it's around everybody's. I thought it was funny. Cordy sent us the other day, like a list of like just, or was it you? It was me. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, said yeah. this list to me and Cordy of yeah. like, here's three other three AI other GPT type things yep. or whatever to yep. look into. And I'm like, does, is there an end to this rabbit hole? Every There's day no I see a new, like, end to this rabbit hole. None. I just noticed Grammarly the other day added AI support. Like, so yes. they can write some yes. stuff for you. I'm like, oh, I got that I'm too. Like, knock it like? off, Grammarly. This is my job <laughs> we're talking about here. Well, you take it a little personally. It's fine yes. for you to fix my punctuation from time to time, but stop trying to do my job. <laughs> So yeah, it's it's all over the place. You so, can't avoid so, it. So, Kristen, you didn't feel creepy at all about this uh, message that came from this unit, whatever. Well, we're, we're geeks at Yeah, home. I, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, mean, yeah, 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 yeah. We thought it was super cool. No, I didn't. I wasn't <laughs> creeped out by it at all. And I'm like, honestly, I, I, there's so much work to be done. If some, if ChatGPT can do some of my work, go for go it. Go for because... it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think that's where most there of us go. are going to land yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah for definitely. sure. Yeah, All right, yeah, Dean, yeah. what's tech next? All right, I got two of them for you, okay. and I'm going out to the sea today. Okay. The seaweed blob has arrived. Have you heard about this I thing? I have. Kristen, I know you're way out on the, the west Gulf, somewhere. Right? Yeah. Uh, well, it's on the Atlantic side. Okay. The greater Atlantic sargassum belt is making landfall through southern Atlantic and the Caribbean coast, disrupting vacations and marine activities. It, this does not sound very no. appealing at all. It's a 15 estimated to be 15 million ton, 5,000 mile wide patch of Damn. seaweed. That's that's a lot of seaweed, dude. Yeah. Do you like seaweed? Like, do you like no, eating seaweed? Are they going to get it so we can eat it? I right. Mean, right. I mean, I like you, some good sushi from time to time. Do you like sushi? Okay. Yeah, All right. Well, yeah. there's one hell of a, sea, of a sushi patch. I think I right prefer now. to get, be like refined and processed maybe first before it gets to my mouth. But you know. Well, you, you ask so much. I know. You, you just can't go out there with a fork no. and start eating this stuff. No, I don't think that's too appealing <laughs> to me. I got but, a vacation coming up to Gulf Shores in about a month and a half or so. I'm hoping this, you know, isn't uh, impacting the beaches there when I'm there. Uh, the Gulf Coast, I think you're okay. Okay. Right. Yeah, you have to worry about the red tide. There, okay. But that's right. a, that's well, a difference. You know, that's thing. a different thing. But anyway, this nutrient stuff, you know, rich stuff is is this huge blob that's out there. I it, I, I found that to be fascinating and quite huge. Here's yeah. my second question to you. You're a mammal, right? Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I believe so. Kristen, yeah. you're a mammal. <laughs> Could you live on just two hours of sleep? No, just just no, two hours. No. Kristen, do you need more than just two hours you of sleep? You don't want to see me on two hours of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> no coffee is going to get you out of that mode? No. Well, well the, the only time I've ever done two hours of sleep is when I went and ran the the uh, hit to coast. Oh, jeez. Wow. Okay. Uh, so I have done it, but I, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> but at least you're doing well, something active to keep you engaged and awake at that point. And apparently know? not, because I would, I would not, I do not survive very well on two hours of sleep either. But apparently we are not northern elephant seals who are, by by average, they average two hours of sleep per day. So these are the big seals. You ever seen them with the yeah, big yeah, noses yeah, and yeah. stuff like that? Researchers have found uh, through, you know, tagging them and watching them and all that kind of good stuff. They win the award for being able to have the least amount of sleep among all mammals. They thought it used to be African elephants, but no, it's the northern elephant seal that can now, that we've quantified two hours of sleep wow. per day while, you know, even while they're on their trips, you know, can doing you their... Can you imagine how much you could get done with only sleeping two hours a day? Oh, 22 hours of productivity? Yeah. Oh, see, no, don't go down no, wait, there. Wait, wait, don't wait. go down that it path. It doesn't all have to be productive. From, like, the, from the man who's advocating be, a four-day work week, you're be, going down... <laughs> it could be just more time watching television or something. Oh, you know? I see. Okay, more... Uh, okay, it doesn't have to I, be look, working. If, if, if I'm sleeping... It doesn't sleep, have to be that's productive. The if we start sleeping less, then everyone's going to be like, all right, well, then you guys can start working 50 hours a week now, right? That's exactly... <laughs> Exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> no. Yeah, we want to uh, We want to binge watch more. Yeah, I, want, be... I want that to be more hours of free time. Okay, fair that, enough. So. Fair enough. Well, there you go. So, John, what is tech connecting with you? All right. So what's tech connecting with me is, uh, so, you know, we have a lot of preconceptions about dinosaurs that have been dispelled and broken over the years. Okay, you know, fair we, enough. We've established they may not have always been cold-blooded. Ah, they, yes. They didn't necessarily just lay eggs and wander off like modern <laughs> reptiles do. They might have actually, you know, nurtured had family, and, had yeah, families. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, many of them may have actually had feathers rather yes, than scales. Right. Yes, All this stuff, you know, that, you know, Jurassic Park still gives you the, you know, giant yes. monster lizard, lizard things. Well, here's one more example of where we may have been wrong about something, uh -oh. the way we've been depicting dinosaurs. All right. And specifically, the big predatory dinosaurs. 
dinosaurs, like the T-Rex, Allosaurus, all that kind of stuff. Yes. Usually when you see them depicted in- You mean I can have a T-Rex as a pet? No, we're not getting okay, to that. Okay, got it, got it, got it. It's not happening. You were the last person I want having a T-Rex as a pet. <laughs> uh, so let's let's say, you know, like when you watch Jurassic World, Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. you know, any just dinosaur show or mm-hmm. whatever, you always see like the T-Rex with just like a bunch of giant teeth yes, yes. sticking out of there. Head they always have that kind of like rictus smile, like- Yes, yes, You know, just yes. ready to chomp down the big scary teeth. Well- Scientists now think that they may not have actually had their teeth bared like that, but instead have had actual lips covering their teeth, just like most modern lizards do. Yes. So they actually may not have looked quite that scary. I'm I'm not saying you would have wanted to tangle with a T Rex. Uh, Okay, okay, but maybe not. Still would swallow you whole and (laughs) rip you to shreds with those giant teeth. But you know, it wasn't always stuck in a constant Joker smile. I got it. Got it. Got it. See, all right. So there's a. As always, I always link our articles in the show notes. Check this one out because you just like you might want to see. I want to see a T Rex with with some type of lip. It looks oddly like not as terrifying. Oh. (laughs) I'll show you when we're done here. Kind of, you look at it, and you're just like, oh, that's just a cute little lizard. Never mind that it's probably like, you know, yeah. 20 feet two tall. Two stories tall. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, right, right. Again, would swallow you whole in yeah. an instant. So. But besides that, yeah, much it's more. A little friendlier. more adorable, yeah. Interesting. So I think, yeah, if you, you know, if the, maybe they're like the like bright colors and Dude, not the. No, I don't know that I want this. I want to keep that fierce kind of T Rex <laughs> in my mind. Like, I never want to be near one of those guys. Brandishing his teeth, like, you know, yeah. All right, well, I'm just saying, yeah, you know, right. maybe they're getting a bad rap. Someday, maybe after we're long extinct, you know, they're going to think that, I don't know, they're going to think something <laughs> was weird looking about us, too. And it'll be completely oh, wrong with that. what humans yeah. actually look like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know? Especially if they don't have access to TikTok. I mean, how are they going to know what we look like? <laughs> for crying out loud. Egg- yeah. Exactly. Exactly. All right, that is what's tech and with us. Kristen Call, thank you so much for joining us today. I, I did it because I wanted to come and laugh. This is the best hour of my life. <laughs> hey, so, there you go. Hey, you guys. Hey. All right, <laughs> do what you can. If you got another topic for us in the future, come back. We'll have you back on, give you yep. some more reasons to laugh and get you through a day. Bingo. We do what we can. Well, until next time, folks, go out and sell some more blinky light boxes. But, blinky um, light boxes. That's it. You know, Maybe get some partners to help you do yeah, it, too. That'd be good. And recon, re, recontextualize what you think about dinosaurs. <laughs> they might have been cute and cuddly for all we know. Where? And as and always, please. Blob, and the green blob that's coming out. That's and the right. green blob. Green blob. <laughs> Look at that <laughs> green blob. Yeah. Exactly. You can go with your new dinosaur full lip friend. <laughs> Get yourself some green blobby Swim seaweed amongst the seaweed. Yeah. While you're selling blinky light boxes. <laughs> as always, folks, please stay connected. Technic Podcast is brought to you by Zebra. All right, Dean, we spent a lot of time talking about retail and moderniz- yes. modernization today. Yeah. All right, well, 85% of retail associates say that they can provide a better customer experience if they had enterprise-grade mobile computers with built-in scanners to use on the job. Mobile, yes. They, even they want to be mobilized. That's some modernization 85% right there. of people want it. That's right. We got That's just one of the findings in Zebra's new ebook, Future-Proofing Retailers, The Power of Purpose-Built Devices. Nice. The Zebra explores the shift to digital technology for retailers that mirrors customer experience and expectations for purchasing, conducting research, and comparing prices. So to read the ebook and learn how to position your solutions for the modern retailer, check out the link in the show notes. Technic Podcast is also brought to you by ELO. Are you looking to meet the needs of both hospitality and retail customers and their employees, as well as they are busy on-the-go consumers? Yes. I mean, if you've listened to this pod, I kind of hope that's part of your game. Yes. If you're trying to help your retailers and hospitality I would partners so. yes. do better. Do better. Why did you listen to this if not? <laughs> just Or like, why are you sticking your head in the sand and not doing exactly. some retail modernization? Well, the new ELO M60 Pay is a mobile POS computer designed to support everyday business. 
It's a rugged, enterprise-grade, all-in-one device with 6-inch HD touch display, Android 10 OS, Qualcomm Snapdragon 660 octa-core processor. It's just, that's very, yeah. Wow. I don't understand half of those words, and it's just right over my head. But yes. it's got to be cool. Really cool stuff. And all the requisite connectivity options. Now, we've talked about how I am not a big shopper, yes, at least in correct. store. In store, yeah. I yes. do all my shopping online, yeah. pick up, all that yes, kind of stuff. Yes. I'm not as active as you were talking about how your daughters yes, are. Yes, my daughters, days. yes, yes. Uh, and I don't go to restaurants that much really anymore either, mm. time to time. Just you know, trying to eat out as but much. But the rest of us do. Okay, fine. The rest of you do. <laughs> And it's not just the convenience of ordering from home, you know. I sometimes I don't like having to wait, you know. Oh yes, wait. To, you know, Who to likes go that? in places and wait in line. Like, oh no, 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 no. nobody likes. I that. know what I want, you know. Like I, I finished my dinner, I picked out my product. I just want to get yeah, out and go home. Frictionless, Boom. right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I got you. So what really puts that M60 above other mobile computers for productivity is that it also offers integrated payment capabilities to speed customers along what? wherever they are. Boom. The M60 is equipped for dip, tap, and swipe. I still say that's some dip, tap, and swipe. Trend. <laughs> gonna dip, gonna tap, and swipe it. I don't know. I'm sorry. Don't make me. I'm so no, sorry. Yes, that's yes. that's so not what you want as part of your brand. <laughs> so that means it accepts EMP cards with chips, NFC contactless payments for cards or mobile devices, and traditional MagStrap cards as well. If anyone's still using those mm-hmm. for some reason. Uh, perfect for table-side service, line-busting, curbside pickup, anywhere your customers need to accept payments. Honestly, if I was shopping or eating somewhere and mm-hmm. sudden someone came along with his M60 mm-hmm. to take my payment, I'd be pretty I'd be pretty impressed. I'd oh, be, yeah. yeah. I would feel a little more feel like, like this a little This is modern. Yes. This is cool. Let's yes. go back to that restaurant because I can Absolutely. pay at my table on the go and get right out. Yep. I don't have yep. to wait 20 yep. minutes. To no pay. janky little consumer grade. Exactly. With snot hanging off. But why, I don't know <laughs> why. Snot? <laughs> This is like toddler restaurant or yes, something? Yes, toddler restaurant. Not the M60, baby. Cool, sleek, and modern. It's not proof. <laughs> I don't know why that wasn't in we'll, your We'll features. make that claim. Uh, to learn more about this amazing new device and how snot proof it can be, yes. check out the link in the show notes or contact your Blue Star ELO team.